This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone. Easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends. And then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another edition of Sminty Fiction. Uh, it is once a month uh, a thing that we do. It is an ongoing story called Terminus, the depopulation event. Um, that I wrote for NaNoWriMo in 2010. And Christina makes amazing. However, if it's not your thing, that's cool. It's only once a month. Um, We are halfway there. We are halfway through. Yeah, yeah. And we are getting to the part where I can tell, because again, I wrote this for National Novel Writing Month. I can tell I was tired. (laughs) You're trying to get through it? It's that rush part? I swear yes. that's what happened to uh, Water for Elephants. It was a NaNoWriMo book. Oh, really? Uh, the beginning is amazing. And then the ending, you're like, what, ta- what happened? <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel better. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yes. Yes, I could tell. I had to... So, I did... I didn't really edit this too much before doing it because I thought it'd be more interesting to sort of see what I was going... What was going on in my head in 2010. Um, but this one I had to edit some just because of the, mo- mostly just <laughs> I could tell I was tired and just like typing words. I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. Um, also, as I said in the last one, I did spend an embarrassing amount of time trying to make the roads, trying to get the roads correct in this <laughs> because they're kind of traveling across the U.S. And I think that comes through in here <laughs> as well because I'm talking about like which side they enter the road from. Oh, yeah. That, the research alone is hard. I had a hard time uh, writing, finding names. So I would go through years of the most popular names and pick it out. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to do it. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> we are getting to a part I'm very, very excited about just because now that I, I'm more... I know more about my sexuality. I struggled with this part so hard. And I 
I can't wait to talk about it. I think it's going to be interesting. But anyway, that's like in the ne- next coming chapters. Um, <laughs> in uh, this one, uh, content warning, there's threat of violence. There's feelings of inadequacy, especially around motherhood. Um, very brief mention of loss of child. The recap is a sex-based, a sex-based disease has killed off most of the population and the state that formed after that and their enforcers alongside a religious group named ARM, ARM, now control reproduction and children. Um, main character Tilda broke the law by stealing her baby, Madison. They've been on the run for seven years. Uh, they are what is called a priority number one case for recapture. The winter is coming. They are hungry. They are cold. They just were almost captured by enforcers. Tilda was shot by one. They managed to escape, and they met this kind young woman named Lynn. Lynn helped Tilda recover, but with enforcers closing in and rumors of a resistance that might shield them and may even have a cure, Tilda has decided that her and Madison need to venture out into the cold, dangerous night. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. All too soon, the sounds of Lynn preparing food emanated from the kitchen, signaling dinner and their last meal here. Lynn popped her head into the entryway to the sitting room. Peanut butter and jelly or lettuce, tomato, and cheese sandwich? Madison opted for the peanut butter and jelly while Tilda chose the lettuce and tomato. And tomato soup is okay with everyone. They both nodded and she disappeared again. Tilda could tell she enjoyed caring for people and was struck again by the thought of how good a mother she would have made. Ten minutes later, they once again sat around the table, eating slowly to prolong the time before they would have to start getting ready to leave. Lynn, sensing their hesitation, instructed them to eat as much as they could. Though the food was delicious, Tilda found she couldn't enjoy it. She kept glancing out the window nervously, imagining enforcers slowly encircling the house, creeping ever closer. Madison managed all but the bottom crust of his sandwich and half of his soup. Tilda forced down all of hers, despite the nerves turning her stomach to stone. 
After the plates were cleared, Lynn led them back to her bedroom, a wide space with a king-sized bed, a cushioned bench, a dresser, a wardrobe, a closet, and a bathroom. A picture of Lynn with a wiry man with wavy brown hair streaked with gray, his smile full of light. Lynn's husband. They looked so happy together. Tilda looked away, inside squirming. There were some clothes laid out on the flowery sheets. These are yours, Tilda. You start getting dressed and I'll help Madison with his. As one being led to his execution, Madison complied. Tilda pulled on a pair of black exercise leggings and some baggy grain pants over them. She tugged off her baggy t-shirt and replaced it with a long sleeve black shirt and a black jacket. A pair of dark gloves and a gray scarf followed, and lastly, a pair of black lace-up snow boots. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw the darkness ascending, and with it, the cold. She turned to Madison, now outfitted in, with Lynn's help, a pair of dark jeans and a navy hoodie, a black hat, gloves and a scarf, and a similar pair of boots. His pale face peered out of his lair solemnly. Lynn smoothed the fabric over his shoulders with restless energy. An uneasy silence fell, all of them too scared to break it. When she couldn't bear it any longer, Tilda stepped forward and slung the pack over her shoulders. Stealing herself, she turned to Lynn. Thank you. We talked about this. Your gratitude is unnecessary. It was lovely to have Hasgust again. Tears shone behind the glasses, but Lynn's voice was strong. Madison turned to her, tears running down his cheeks silently. I'll, I'll miss you. Lynn bent down, pulling him into a tight embrace. I'll miss you too, baby. So much. I'm so happy to have met you. Now her voice shook. She kissed Madison's temple and released him. You do as your mother says now, and stay safe. I will, Madison said, bravely fighting for composure. I'm glad to have met you too. Lynn shared an intense look with Tilda, a clear command to protect Madison at all cost. Tilda almost flinched at her ineptitude, her unworthiness, but instead she took Madison's hand and led him down the hall. Take the back door, Lynn directed, less chance being seen. Where is Sixth? Tilda asked. She thought she knew, but figured she should double check. When you go out the back, take a right. Stick to the line of houses until you get to Monroe. Take a right there, and I'll right again when you get to Sixth. They reached the door, and they all stopped, staring at the pane of wood separating them from the cold and dark. Tilda groped around for something to say, but came up with nothing. She reached for the knob, and Madison took hold of her arm. Goodbye. Tilda said, and Lynn responded in kind with a note of finality. The door swung open, letting in a draft of cold air, cool enough to turn each breath to fog. The rain had tapered off to a drizzle. Tilda perked her ears, blinking to adjust to the darkness, looking for any sign of the enforcers. Grasping each other's hands, Tilda and Madison stepped outside. Behind them, the door closed. Keeping it open too long would draw unwanted attention. Shivering, Tilda led them to the right, her muscles cramping a bit at the sudden change in temperature. She hefted the bag further up her back, adjusting the straps. Already, their stay at Lynn's felt like a dream, fading away with waking. Tilda quickened her pace, looking from left to right, the sensation of eyes tracking their every movement pressing down on her. They slunk from house to house, the sound of rain masking their footfalls. 
They came to a house with a fenced-in backyard, and they had to loop around, puddles splashing around their boots. The sight of so many empty houses unnerved her. Tilda stopped at the house right before the intersection so she could examine the sign. The flaking white letters read Monroe. Tilda glanced around, looking for an alternate route to cross. She didn't see one that looked any more secluded. We're going to run across, okay? She whispered to Madison. They jogged along the crosswalk and didn't stop until they reached the first house on the other side. For a moment, they stayed completely still, listening, but the only thing they could hear was the rain. Come on, she whispered, pulling Madison along, trying to visualize the map folded neatly in her pack. She'd feel so much better when they reached the highway. A light drew them up short so abruptly it was as if they slammed into an invisible wall. Quickly, they hid alongside the closest house. Tilda scanned the darkness, mind racing. The light was in the distance, still a street away, but moving toward them at a relatively fast pace. Tilda started in a crouching run down the rows of houses, towing Madison along behind her. She was grateful to Lynn for picking out dark clothes for them so that they blended into the night. Her senses were hyper-alert as they ran. A set of headlights swerved a few intersections down, turning on Monroe and heading towards them. Tilda and Madison dove to the side, flattening themselves behind the house nearest to them. The soft rumble of an engine could be heard over the rain, growing closer and closer, the light brighter and brighter as the car approached. Tilda held her breath as the vehicle lumbered by, sleek black coat making it somehow monstrous, a predator in the darkness. It was a safe bet that it was enforcers. The only working cars Tilda had seen this far outside of a handful of cities with or nearby conception centers were driven by enforcers or state-affiliated. The sooner they got off the street, the better. Once the car had disappeared, Tilda peeked her head around the corner of the house to make sure no one else was coming before striking out again. At every intersection, her nervousness spiked, heart rate increasing until they were safely to the other side, where it died down again only to peek up at the next crossing, a vicious cycle of crested falls and fear. She had taken to counting the streets that they passed, willing the next one to be I-70. The next one. The next one. The temperature dropped steadily, Tilda's lungs burning in her chest as she breathed in the cold air. Her neck hurt from twisting it around to look behind them and to either side so frequently. Beside her, Madison was flagging. The sight of a sign in the shape of a shield gave her a surge of strength. From what little light reflected, she could make out a white 70. So caught up in relief at finding the highway, Tilda almost didn't notice the black vehicle parked at the entrance of the exit. She sucked in such a deep breath that lights popped before her eyes. She yanked Madison to the right so hard that he whimpered, the weight of her pack almost knocking her from her feet at the sudden change in direction. They ran, taking shelter under a covered gas station, ducking through the pumps. Shaking, Tilda crouched down, face devoid of all color, waiting for a light to shine on them, for the car to rev and chase them down. She tightened her grip on Madison's hand as the seconds passed, fearful anticipation mounting. Once she'd gotten her fear under control, she stood slowly, her muscles tight. Rain collected on the roof and poured off in sheets, making it difficult to hear. She crept to the opposite side of the station, trying to locate another route onto the highway. There was no incline or decline. Like most everything else in this region of what used to be the United States, the roads were flat. 
The highway itself curved away from them, making following alongside it on smaller streets difficult. They needed to get to it now. She pulled her hood up and then did the same for Madison, bending down. We're going to cross. The wind whined around them. There are enforcers at the entrance, so we'll have to cut through some grass. We're going to move very fast. But they'll see us, Madison despaired. It's really dark right now and we're wearing dark colors, Tilda pointed out. And maybe they're bored and not paying attention, she thought to herself. Or maybe it's just an abandoned car that happened to have died right at the entry ramp we need to get on. We just need to be quick, is what she said aloud. Madison nodded, looking sick. We'll be fine, Tilda assured him, nauseated herself. She led him by the hand to the edge of the building closest to the highway, but farthest from the entrance to it and farthest from the enforcers. She could hardly make out the black car from here, but she knew it was there, ready to pounce on its prey. Maneuvering around a thick sheet of rain, they stepped out from under the cover of the station. Tilda plotting their path, anticipation building in her stomach, her heart thudding painfully. She glanced down at Madison to check that he was ready, and together they tore off for the highway. Tilda didn't stop, didn't turn her head, laser-focused on reaching I-70 East and nothing else. To her, their clomping steps sounded incredibly loud, and she felt horribly exposed. Time seemed to slow, the trip taking longer than she would have guessed or hoped. They both nearly crashed face first when the ground beneath their feet changed from slick asphalt to treacherous grass and underbrush, but they kept running, their pace hindered by tangled vines gripping at their boots. Madison did slip thin, taking Tilda down with him, but she surged back to her feet and pulled him up, half glancing over her shoulder for the first time. The car hadn't changed positions, but it could flare to life at any second. Their feet slapped back up to the concrete of the entry ramp, and they turned to follow it onto the highway, the rain picking up suddenly, dousing them in cold water and then receding just as quickly. The road curved and they curved with it, jogging as they merged onto I-70 East. Tilda beat back her hope, afraid that by allowing herself to feel it, she'd be inviting bad luck, allowing herself to relax too soon. They slowed, Tilda's back aching from where the pack had smacked against it while they ran. Making sure to stick to the white line at the edge of the road, Tilda turned her head to look behind her once more and saw nothing. No headlights bearing down on them, not even the moon or stars. All around them was treacherous darkness. As one, they stopped to catch their breath, cold fire burning in their windpipes and lungs, rain collecting like crystal beads on their faces. You okay? Tilda gasped out, watching as Madison's thin chest heaved up and down rapidly. He gave her a quick nod, half bent over and clutching at her hand almost painfully. Let's go, she panted. We can walk from here, but keep your eyes peeled, all right? Tell me if you see anything. He murmured his assent, and they stepped forward, both their legs shaking and watery. The dark around them gave them the impression that they weren't moving at all. When she wasn't looking around for enforcers, she kept her gaze pinned to the white line she could barely see, her compass in the heavy night. It was strange to have a destination. It gave her an added layer of purpose, a renewed sense of time. She walked faster, ignoring the throbbing in her calf. The rain tapered away. A few of the clouds parted, revealing a handful of stars in the black velvet night. Madison's feet dragged, scuffing the pavement, but there was nowhere for them to stop. 
He declined her offer for food, but did accept some water, taking three big gulps. She took a few swallows from her own bottle, throat parched from their sprint to the highway. He perked up a little, but not enough to alleviate Tilda's concerns. The pack on her shoulders made carrying him problematic, her lower back already sore from the weight. She settled for letting him lean into her and swearing to herself to stop once she found somewhere safe for them to stay. Gradually, the black around them lightened to an indigo blue. Tilda was growing desperate, her own legs on the verge of betraying her. Madison hanging on to Tilda's arms to keep himself upright. The last sign they'd passed read Kansas City, 39 miles. Given that nothing went wrong, that amounted to about 13 hours of walking. Squinting, she could make out the next sign. Lawrence, next three exits. Too tired to feel much relief, she assured Madison that they would stop soon. He didn't respond, his steps scuffing the asphalt, eyelids drooping. No cars blocked the exit. An abandoned toll booth stood at the entrance. They passed under it, the bars preventing entry until the toll had been paid, long since destroyed. Signs posted on the side of the road gave directions and distances to restaurants, hotels, and gas stations. Moldy orange and white striped construction barrels were strewn across the road. Tilda and Madison weaving through them and other debris. Sagging gas stations and decrepit hotels could be seen on either side of the exit. Broken windows and swinging signs. Doors of motel rooms ripped off their hinges. Tilda supposed this area had been hit by at least one tornado, and no one nor reason remained to fix it. Trying to gauge their best option in close proximity to the highway, Tilda landed on the motel with the least amount of outward damage. The blue and red sign now hung completely upside down, paint stripped off the walls, but it otherwise looked mostly intact. They crossed the street and into the parking lot, the exit ramp to the highway on their left. Her skin numbing in the chilly air, Tilda located the main office on their left. The glass door was busted, the bar handle lying uselessly on the blue and gray patterned carpet, so they stepped through it, careful of the shards and dust. Ignoring the peeling wallpaper and stains on the overturned or slumping furniture, Tilda pulled a now dragging Madison down the hall, taking the last door on the left, which experience had taught her would be the largest bedroom. The door no longer fit in its frame, but it opened easily after the initial push on the rusted hinges. Inside, a large bed took up most of the room, shoved up against the far wall. There was a small bathroom across from it and a broken desk and tilted wardrobe on the opposite wall, but those didn't concern her. The window was thankfully still whole other than a large crack down the center. She closed the door behind them, as well as she could anyway, and extracted her hand from Madison's fingers, crossing over to the window and closing the navy curtains. Then she turned to the bed that Madison stared at longingly, grimacing at the browning sheets. Taking off her gloves clumsily, she pressed down on the brown spot, finding it dry. At her nod, Madison stumbled forward and climbed onto the bed, immediately curling up into the fetal position and shivering. On a whim, Tilda tried turning on the heat. It came to no surprises her when nothing happened. Sighing, she returned to Madison. She started to strip him of his damp clothes, his limbs limp as she maneuvered them. He protested quietly as she tugged off his jeans and boots. She hung the clothes over the radiator and disappeared into the bathroom for a moment, rifling through the towels until she found the cleanest one. Sitting on the edge of the bed, she toweled off Madison's hair and skin, slipping the bag from her shoulders with a sigh of relief. She pulled out the extra set of clothes Lynn had packed for Madison, thankful that the fabric of the pack was waterproof and the clothes blessedly dry. 
She eased them onto the already sleeping child, including the jacket and the socks. Then she reached deeper into the bag, pulling out the fluffy blanket rolled up at the bottom. She shook it out and wrapped it around Madison, rearranging him so his head was nested on the pillow. Wincing as she stretched sore muscles, Tilda pulled off her own clothes, the damp fabric clinging to her skin. She laid them next to Madison's, picking up the towel and drying herself off, and reaching in for her own clothes and sloppily pulling them on. She wiggled wrinkled toes in dry socks, already a little bit warmer. She collapsed on the bed next to Madison, snuggling under the blanket, sleep overtaking her as soon as her eyes closed. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And that brings us to the end of this month's edition of Fiction Sminty Fiction. I hope that you enjoyed it. I will point out that this ends up taking place in, in Lawrence, Kansas of supernatural fame but also that happened because i went on a road trip and i had to take shelter from a tornado in lawrence kansas okay so a lot of this is drawn from my experience um road tripping across the u.s and what i encountered and all of that i'm sure it's not very accurate in terms of what would still be around (laughs) but hey we're gonna go with it um but yeah we're getting to some some action and some plot that i'm very very excited about So I hope that you tune in for the next installment. In the meantime, special thanks as always to Christina, who makes these happen. She's amazing. If you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stephanieandmomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I Never Told You. You can also find us on YouTube. 
we have a book coming out, um, which we did not write during NRIMO. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. You can pre-order it uh, at stuffyoushouldreadbooks.com. And yes, thanks as always to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you all. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff on Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.